Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Logan, here we go. Looking back at the tape. Uh, Did it get get any better when you watched it in all 22 form than, uh, than it felt on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you watch the film as much as like I've watched the game like twice now and, you know, I take a, like a lot of pretty fastidious with my notes. And, you know, I think if you kind of like take away the first two drives of the game, which you can't do, obviously, <laughs> um, I, I liked I liked some of the stuff that they did in the second half. I liked a lot of the stuff they did in the second half. And I think they're on the verge if they continue to like delve into that. They're on the verge of making – I don't want to say a quarterback-proof offense, but a quarterback-friendly offense, something that's very supportive of quarterback playing at a high level. So, you know, like, what does that offense look like? I think, again, it's something that we've been talking about a lot, and you just see the advantages that it gives you. You see the advantage it gives you from a pass protection standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, from a throwing lane standpoint. And when you have a quarterback like Heineke, I think you need to lean into that more. And I, I still am a little bit flummoxed as to why they got away from it so dramatically in the first half of the game. And what I mean... I keep saying this, you know, this idea that you are good at running counter, you're good at running inside zone, you're good at running duo, run those runs and then run the play action passes off of them. Stack runs, create runs around that. I think, you know, maybe a perfect iteration of this is in the first quarter, they run all these kind of zone read GT, like where they're pulling the guard and tackle, they're isolating the defensive end. And you can just tell that's not who they want to be on the zone read. They run a zone read a little bit later where they run it off of a duo action, right? They open to the side to the side of the tight end. They bring the other uh, Cole Turner back across the formation. He bluffs Thibodeau. Thibodeau thinks it's duo. He squeezes down, and Taylor has a seven-yard gain. That is the core, the foundational piece of who you are. Build around that. And so when you get to the second half and they're backed up, it's the first drive of the game, or first drive of the half, excuse me, and they just come out off of duo play pass to Terry. Then it's another play pass. Then it's a boot. They move the pocket. They do a whole bunch of different things off of that run action that you've worked so hard to establish. And they basically go down, never getting a third down, and they score a touchdown. And I just see that is the version of the offense. Then the next drive they come out, they hit that bomb to Jahan off of a duo play action pass. They hit a counter run to – it's not a counter. Was it a counter? I don't remember exactly what it was. Oh, yeah, counter to – to Brian Robinson, you're inside the 20 on two plays. So all of a sudden, this offense that has been so tepid and so kind of labored, you see this element that they've earned, that they develop out of that. And I'm just like, that is where they need to be. And 
it's funny if I look at the second half of this game, obviously there's a whole bunch of shortcomings we can talk about in a second. But that to me is what I was expecting from the entire game. And that to me, if they can continue to build on that, gives you a chance against a team like San Francisco, which I think is good. It's a good sign. And uh, does that mean they're going to win? No. But does it mean that you've you've kind of you're you're developing this offensive identity around this this core tenant? Yes. And I think they just need to lean into that a little bit more. And so I, I'm I get a lot of confidence when I hear Ron say in the postgame presser, like we are a run play action pass team. A lot of people think that's a bad thing. San Francisco's that offense. That's what San Francisco does almost every single play. And they're considered one of the best offenses in the NFL. There is a there is a lot of good things to glean from that, and I think that's what I took away from it offensively. That's frustrating and interesting all, all, yeah. all at once because yeah. they like I don't know. It's it's interesting too because the first quarter, right? It's the first two drives that you hate. They also ran ten plays and then nine plays. So like yes. they were able to Long convert drives, and, yeah. and do some things. They also didn't get anywhere. It's like ten right. plays for forty-one yards is almost hard to do. Right. Um, it's a lot of incompletions. It's a lot of short yardage stuff. You get, you know, like Samuel's stuffed in, in that for a loss of three at one point. Uh, the drive essentially ends when Heineke gets sacked. Uh, and then you wind up punting from your own 34, um, which I that decision, um, I, I said this yesterday on the show, like, or Monday on the show. I can't really fault Ron because he's the one who watched Joey Sly warm up. But it just doesn't make sense to me that you're you're so screwed from 51 yards with Joey Sly. Like, I mean, the wind. Apparently, there was a 10 mile an hour wind. So kicking into a 10 mile an hour wind, like, you know, there's going to be a difference in terms of the direction you're kicking, obviously. And obviously, you know, I don't and they know. were kicking into it, and so yeah, you know, I, as much as much as I want to be like, that's so dumb. How could he? Like, he watched. Not only did he watch Sly warm up and go, that's out of his range, and and you know, Sly and and the special teams. Uh, Coach Kawika is like, uh, it's it's out of his range. Um, but Dable makes basically the same decision later in the game, facing yeah. the same direction from almost the same spot. So as quiet as the wind was apparently on the field, it was very clearly swirling and affecting the ball. Um, and as Ron said, like it's actually like it, it's we're gonna pin them deep, and then and then we messed up the coverage. Um, the ball hung up in the air. Something weird happened. They missed they missed a thing, and then next thing you know you net like next to no yards because your your execution's bad. And sometimes that's the NFL. I would argue that Ron's process was better than Dable's. Ron's mm. process of punting it there is better than Dable's of going for it on fourth and nine, except for Dable converted and Ron's team gave up a stupid punt return. Yeah. And and so you look bad. And sometimes that's the NFL. Sometimes mm -hmm. them's, them's the breaks. But going back to kind of what you said about the offense and, and the choices, it's just – it's just frustrating that they would get away from that. And obviously some of that is on Turner to like, why are you trying so much? But it also is the kind of thing where like Ron's got to, as the head coach, just like slap his hand away from the cookie jar. Be like, no, like we've gotten, mm -hmm. we've accomplished our goals by not going into the cookie jar. Not that if you want cookies, you can absolutely and should enjoy cookies, especially during this very lovely holiday season. However, in this analogy, whatever goal you were trying to accomplish involved not eating the cookies and and Ron let Scott put his hand in the cookie jar and, you know, it wasted a first quarter where they could have come out, been productive and established some things and uh, maybe scored some points. And instead they ran 19 plays in the first quarter to New York seven and only came out of it with a three, nothing lead. Yeah. And I, I just, again, and it's hard to say for sure that it would have gone the other way, but I think you see the result of 
of kind of being who you are. You know, I think you see the result of being who you are in the second half. And I think you saw how effectively the offensive line was blocking the counterplay. That was a big play for them. Not so much the um, the duo, the duo play action pass look was much better for them. But in terms of runs, the counter was excellent. And B-Rob was just being a physical dog. And like the O-line deserves a lot of credit because they were getting him, you know, kind of into the teeth of the defense before he was getting contacted. And you see kind of that Derrick Henry-esque-ness in terms of, you know, when you get a big man into the defense, you see the same thing with A.J. Dillon up in Green Bay. Big man into the defense, untouched. Like, they can make a lot of plays. So I think that's another thing that's a little frustrating is, like, you, you got away from who who you are. You got you know, like, from a running game standpoint. Like, especially, it, it just seems so counterintuitive because it was so effective, you know? And, right. Um, they hadn't proved that they could stop it. Right, right. In two weeks. It, yeah, and I look at um, – you know, I was watching Kansas City, for example, because uh, we're getting ready to play San Francisco. And one of the things they did is they, they run the football and they, you know, they ran right at San Francisco. But they understand like who they are and what they're good at. And they run like little just sweet variations. They're not running a lot of zone read or getting cute with guard tackle pulling like they're, they, they are who they are from a run game standpoint. I think that that clarity of vision is so, so important. And, you know, I think the other thing we need to talk about is, is the red zone, obviously. And there are some issues there that definitely need to be corrected. I think, you know, if you look at the past two games, the Giants and the Atlanta Falcons, I think there are opportunities to be excited. But again, some of the issues with the team show up there more acutely. You see Taylor's lack of arm strength. You see the lack of kind of elite playmaking at the quarterback position. You see the limitations of the offensive line. And so I think all of those things really come into full perspective. Um, you know, they kind of take all these warts that you're able to hide in the field and then they're just on full display. Like you need to be better at quarterback. You need to be better at, at offensive line. So my challenge, if I'm Scott, I say, well, how do I manage that? And I quite frankly say like, well, maybe we become a little bit, you know, I look at what New York does, for example, and they're very boot heavy in the red zone, partially because their offensive line's bad in pass protection and they run the ball a lot in the red zone. So yeah. For whatever reason, Scott gets in the red zone and is like, let's get in these drop back passing situations. And that just doesn't feel like the right thing to me in those situations. It's not. Um, and it's so hard to drop back pass in the red zone anyway, because there's just a limited amount of like a lot of passing concepts work because you also are scared of them throwing over your head. There is mm -hmm. no such thing as the red zone. Go ahead, throw it to the fans. We don't care. The windows mm -hmm. become tighter. It, it's there's not a lot of space to operate. Things have to happen right now and with a quarterback who doesn't throw with velocity to make things happen right now and windows that are smaller and and a quarterback who also for some reason is clamming up a bit in the red zone doesn't mm -hmm. make a lot of sense i want to well let's circle back in five minutes sure. or so to the to the red zone and like let's really flush that out if mm -hmm. i'm making a checklist for between the 20s right and and really i'm going to say goal line to to 20 goal line to red zone because yeah. uh, this first thing on my checklist would have prevented the strip sack I am avoiding, like, thing number one I'm trying to do for the commander's offense is avoid drop back pass at all costs. Yeah. There's just, there's just got to be a better option at almost all times. We, we're in a dire passing situation. Okay. I'm going to boot a little bit and move the pocket. Or I'm just going to, mm -hmm. I'm just going to straight up roll out. You know, you don't even have to boot. I'm just going to roll out. I'm going to move the pocket. I'm going to be unpredictable of where my quarterback is going to go back and stand because it's, if I'm vulnerable for something like a strip sack fumble recovery for a touchdown. Uh, cause I'm at my own 10 yard line. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to limit the dropbacks in the game to 10 or less, uh, mm -hmm. maybe even five or less. That would be thing one for me. Thing two, I'm going to run the runs that I'm good at. I'm mm -hmm. not trying to get fancy. And, and it's not just trying to like be simple or make a point. Like 
they're really good at those runs. Mm-hmm. In the first game against the Giants, they just pulled up the box score for the tie game. Brian Robinson ran 21 carries for 96 yards. He averaged 4-6 a carry. Gibson, 4-3 a carry. Samuel was 7-7 seven, seven a carry. His were a little bit skewed, though, because he had one big, long 21-yarder. Yeah. But if you give Samuel like the stuff that he's good at, eventually he tends to bust one. He tends right. to get a big one. And so I'm going to run the runs I'm good at. And then thing three on my three-item checklist is I'm getting my best players the ball, and my best player is Terry McLaurin. Right. And, you know, we had some fun with that earlier in the year, but I think the results have been there. Like, when they got Terry more involved in the offense, they scored more points and won more games. And the drive that they have that touchdown to start the second half is run through 17. They just decided, bleep it, we're getting him the ball. And um, I was actually watching Hard Knocks last night, and not that the Cardinals are like a model offense in the NFL, but it was interesting hearing like Cliff Kingsbury on the headset at one point talking to his coaches, and he's like, hey, guys, we need to get the ball to hop here. And it's like they, they, they weren't thinking about route concepts and what the defense is doing. It's like, bleep it, how do we get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins? Because that's, that's going to make our offense go. And Chris Collinsworth said it on the broadcast Sunday night. Sometimes it's not about the plays you call, it's about the players you call it for. And once they started getting Terry involved, the ball moved more and they score and they, and you know, Jahan is obviously awesome in the red zone. And like that, that is like the three step. If we're not doing this, we're failing as an offense checklist is staying out of drop back pass. Cause we can't protect it. Run the runs that we're good at. Cause it's going to get us yards and we're really good at it and get the ball to our best players with the heaviest dosage being to our absolute best player. And that player is Terry McLaurin outside of obviously Robinson and Gibson in the running game. But like when we're throwing, we're throwing the McLaurin and that includes screens. It includes short stuff. It includes taking shots to him deep because good things happen when he gets thrown the football. That's my offensive checklist. And they, they failed on that in the first half on Sunday on yeah. basically all three accounts. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. I, I, you know, we talked about it before. I do think that there was like a, uh, you know, a little bit of like overthinking it by Scott. And I think that shows up and, you know, obviously like every play is designed to go for a touchdown. So it's easy for me to sit here on Monday and be like, Oh, you know, they should have done X, Y, Z. But I, I just think the proof is in the pudding. I think look at the first game. And I think the thing about the first game is like, you, you never, you felt like if they just execute a little bit better in certain situations, they win by 10. And then, so I'm not trying to deviate too much from that game plan. And I think, you know, like you you got the runs you're good at, obviously, right? I think that's like, well, I think a nice point you established there. But you can add like little wrinkles off of it. Like, you know, the jet sweep sure. stuff they've done, all that kind of stuff. And so like, I, I'm stuff. accounting for that in the game because yeah. you're always going to have game plan runs. Like, I'm not saying right. don't game plan and run run day one installs for the entire thing. But like you're, those game plan specific things, this is something I learned from you, so I, I want to make sure that the audience who listens or watches this understands that I'm not preaching this at Logan. I'm, I'm trying to share things that I've learned that I think make for good process. It's like they, those play off of those base runs. Right. Like I'm counting a jet sweep off of duo action as a run they are good at, right? That's, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm right. saying. You have your variations off of your runs that are your wrinkles run that stuff you know run that stuff that you've kind of majored in that again you think works against the giants um yeah man i, I just it's uh it, it was a little frustrating you know it, the, the first half was all frustrating to me because it was a little confounding i was like why why did they do, what made what motivated them to do this from a defensive standpoint and i don't really have a good solution you know like the, 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 the to me the proof is in the in the first game you got after him and I understand that you didn't score all these points, but I look at 
certain situations, like again, in the first game, maybe you're a little bit too conservative, right? But to me, to get a to get out of the conservatism, you run play action pass, you run a boot, like you don't do drop back passing. I think that's like where I'm at with them. Right. It's like you you know who you are. Why was there such a stark transition away <clears throat> from these elements? And I don't really have a good reason. And I think you saw like how productive the offense, I said this already, could be in the second half. And and I come out of this thinking like, wow, you know, like maybe they've, they've found a little bit of a formula here that will work against better teams. Who knows? Who knows? Um, my fear is that that's what they think too. Um, and they just think that they're so close and if they could just do X, Y, Z a little bit better and then. Sometimes you need to take a step back and be like, well, the reason we can't do X, Y, Z is better Better is because we're not good enough because right. this is actually who we are. And like that gets dangerous. We can talk about evaluation in the off season and evaluation of your coaches, evaluation of your players, et cetera. But for right now, like if you're looking for a game plan moving forward, that's, that's correct. Um, the other thing that just popped in my mind, uh, sage advice from one of your favorite wink, wink, former teammates, JJ Watt, because um, he's on the Cardinals and thus he was in this hard knocks right. episode. And um, he was talking to Cam Thomas, uh, their rookie edge rusher. And they were, and he was basically like, you need to not be afraid of what you're good at, um, which is actually really, really good advice. And he's like, yeah. you have a really good, in, in Cam Thomas's case, this rookie for Arizona, he's like, you have a really good long arm. Yeah. Just because you study the O-lineman that you're going to face that week and you see that this tackle is really good against long arm doesn't mean you shouldn't use it because you're good at it. Right. Go be good at it. And right. that's a little bit of what what I feel like happened this week to to Washington and what Scott uh, was looking at, and and he looked at the Philly tape and you know saw what the Giants were bad at, and was like, we're gonna we're gonna try to do that even though we're not that good at it, right? Um, or we don't have the reps yeah. at it, and it's it's not. I, I do want to give Scott this credit, um, and this is also somehow relative to this uh, <laughs> this episode of Hard Knocks last night, but it was the week that they were preparing for New England. And basically their entire message was like, they're going to attack what we're bad at. Mm -hmm. Like that's New England's thing for years. Belichick has always had kind of a, an ability to, to change his team, not really have an, for as much as we preach identity, 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 he is anti-identity. He's mm -hmm. like, we're going to shape shift each week and just murder you mm -hmm. with what you're bad at. And he's able to do that because he's him and his level of attention and detail, the players he brings in. Um, and by the way, it doesn't work as well when you don't have Tom Brady. <laughs>